Gentlemen, it's always a joy. Thank you. You're good to us. We'll be on that shore and a sweet bye-bye. I um, have another thing to share with you today. I'm kind of beginning to wonder if Sunday mornings are going to become a bit of a show-and-tell, because I do have something to show you this morning. Just like I did last week, there's something different. This little uh, jar, is this a bulb? You can see it's... uh, it's bulbous. That's the word for the day. Uh, it has a little sprout coming out. And I like to leave this on my desk in this glass jar just like this because there are times my eye will catch it and it reminds me of several things. Uh, one of them is how often Jesus used uh, planting and gardening and growth kind of organic metaphors to help us understand who God is and what he's doing in the world. And that's so helpful to me. And it reminds me, maybe in particular, more of the passage that we're going to read today out of Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, would you open them there? It's Mark chapter 4. It is a picture to me of what happens when a seed is not planted. Right? You see a sprout with no growth. And with no growth comes what? No fruit. And with no fruit comes no reproduction. And the life cycle is stunted. And um, spiritual growth is what God designs and desires for our lives, for your life. He wants you to grow in Him. He wants you to become like Jesus and to walk in all of your days, in all of your ways with Him. Here's one of those metaphors. Jesus has come to a place in the Gospel where He's beginning to share about the Kingdom of God. Give us some insight about God's kingdom. You remember in verse 15 of chapter 1, the very first words, according to Mark, out of Jesus' mouth are, The time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news, right? And then he comes to those first disciples and he simply says, come and follow me. You remember the two pairs of brothers, Andrew and Peter, James and John? Come and follow me is the invitation. Come and walk after me. Come and do your life with me. Let me do life through you is the invitation. And later on in this chapter, he will talk about, we're not going to talk about it today, but that he does. He talks about uh, the kingdom of God being like a planted seed, right? We, we are not the ones that cause growth. God does the growth. But we participate in some ways like a gardener does in helping with soil and watering. But it is God who provides the growth. And then he compares the kingdom to a mustard seed. But in this passage, we we see the idea of the seed of God's word, the the kingdom of God, the the gospel of God, the good news, and then the soil of the human heart. The seed of God and the soil of the human heart. Let's read chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark again. Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, Jesus taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, this is what he said. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop 
multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. In verse 13, he continues, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still other seed, others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. The word, the farmer goes and sows the word. Other places in the scripture, we are told that that is the call of the church, is to go and, and be sowers of the word, sharers of the word, uh, proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. And I like to think about how different ways might I describe the good thing that God has done in Jesus for us. And one way I like to explain the, the whole big picture of the Bible is by thinking about three different trees. And we find them, one of the very first days of the Bible, is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there we, we find in that, that picture of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God in this beautiful, intimate, close, real relationship without any separation or division. It was wonderful and perfect. It literally was paradise. That is what paradise is, is being fully in the presence of God, being known by God and knowing God. And then sin enters the world. Right? Men and women, they, they took, made decisions and it created the severing of that relationship with God. And that paradise that they had known was now lost. That's, that's the tree on the first page of Scripture. And if you go all the way through to the end of the Bible, on the very last page, there's another tree described there in Revelation 21. And there is a picture of what will happen at the end when uh, God is coming to make everything new again. It has this picture of, of a new Jerusalem coming down and, and making its place on earth. And God comes and dwells among His people. It's such a beautiful picture because in the city there's no more temple, right? For the people of that day, the temple represented where God came and where people could go to meet God. But in the new Jerusalem, there's no need of a temple. Why? Because God Himself is there. In fact, there's not even a need for a sun. Because the brilliance of God's presence illuminates everything. What a beautiful picture. And it describes this tree there in Revelation 21. A tree that always bears its fruit. There's not a season when it's not bearing fruit. Because it's always productive. And, and the leaves of that tree, the Bible says, are for the healing of the nations. And it says that the curse... The curse that entered our existence on earth and our human condition that started from that first tree on the first page of the Bible, the last tree on the last page of the Bible, it says that the curse will be no more. That God has come to set everything that was broken to 
to repair it, to make everything that was bent crooked, to make it straight again. Everything that was soiled and dirty has now become clean again. And He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Because all things are made new. The tree in the first page of the Bible is paradise lost. The tree in the last page of the Bible is paradise restored. And there's a tree in the middle. In the book of Galatians, it describes the cross of Jesus, and it describes Jesus' cross as a tree, and it describes it that anyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. And indeed, Jesus became a curse for us. Jesus took the curse of sin upon himself. So that when we take and we understand our separation from God, we lay our sin down at the foot of the cross, the foot of Jesus' tree, then the healing of that final tree in Revelation becomes true for us. And this, my friends, is part of our task as a church, as we are to be those who go and sow the word. The ministry of our church is to be those who engage just in the pattern of the New Testament church, that, that we are engaged in sharing the good news of what God has done in Jesus. And so for many weeks and months, you've been hearing about the Leadership Council. And uh, Leadership Council has been meeting since, uh, since September. That's hard to say. Since September. And uh, had a lot of meetings, a lot of time to pray together, a lot of times to talk and debate. And, and really sensing God's spirit. And on March 1st, we want to invite everybody to come and to join in a conversation. And to hear a presentation about what we hope will become uh, the new, the refreshed vision for our church together. And part of that vision is having a new mission statement that, that helps us to crystallize and to articulate what it means to be a church and a people together that are going out into the world that's broken and hurting and wounded and where there are vulnerable spaces and dark shadows and, and we take the light and the healing of Jesus into those places and into those lives because of the goodness of God. And this is our, our new mission statement that we're going to propose. We are hoping the church will, will adopt it. We like it a lot. This is what it is, calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus, to capture the beauty of what it is to be with Jesus every day, and to know the healing and the presence of walking with Him in every facet of our life, and to know that we have a calling from God to go and to share that good news right here with the mission field around us and all the way to the ends of the earth. And so I invite you to digest this and to take it, chew on it. And we're going to have some time before March 1st to, uh, to, to hear it some more. And, uh, come, won't you put it on your calendars March 1st? We're going to have a grand old conversation. And we think, I think, I hope that we're setting our church for a new, a new a clearly laid out course and pathway for our shared life together. Where the kingdom of God is able to go forth through us into the lives of people right here and all the way to the ends of the earth in a more clear way where we're all sharing in that together. But that's for March 1st. But that's how the Bible says that the church is to be part of sowing as a farmer goes out and sows his seed. That, that is part of what our life is to be together as a church is sowing the gospel of God. But then there are responses that we are to anticipate. Jesus says so. That's why we have them here. Different people are going to respond differently to the seed that's sown. There, there are different responses in the soil of the human heart. Some people will be hard. The soil of their heart is hardened. They are closed off from God. It's as if for some reason a wall, a 
There's no way that they're going to allow anything, especially God, to get through. And it kind of reminds me, did, did you ever play Red Rover, Red Rover growing up? Anybody? Okay, about half of us. That was one of my favorite games because I loved anything energetic and rough on the playground. We did it at school a lot. And if you don't know the game, it, you break up into two teams and, and the teams uh, separate from each other a fair distance because you have to get up a, a sprinting head of steam. And in each team will line up like this, shoulder to shoulder. They'll grab hands and then they spread out. And this team has a wall right here, and across from them facing them is the other team, and they have their hands held, and they're holding on, and, and this is what you do, right? You, you, if you play it, you say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Caroline right over. <laughs> and what's Caroline supposed to do? If she doesn't do it, she'll be humiliated. Because <laughs> she, she is supposed to take off running from her line, and her object is to break through one of the hands. And so what do you do? You probe. Where's the soft spot in the wall? Right? You're always looking, looking, looking. And man, I would I would get my fingers white-knuckled because I would hold on so tight because I was not going to let anybody break through my wall. And when I went through, it was so fun. I don't know why more people didn't die playing that game. <laughs> people got clotheslined and bloody nose and all sorts of things. But it was wonderful. <laughs> But I wonder if part of the hardness of a heart is kind of like people have gotten so entrenched, maybe because they've been wounded and life's pain is so hard, but they, they hold on so tight to anything but God, and they won't let God penetrate into their life. Maybe there are all sorts of reasons for that, but I've also seen how people who initially have such a hard response to God, how over time the, the bricks of their wall around their hearts begin to be dismantled one brick at a time. I remember years ago, uh, a man, a father, a husband, who uh, his wife and his children used to participate in our church, and uh, he wouldn't. He would come and, and pick them up and take them home afterwards, and little by little I sought out opportunities to... Uh, to go and meet him, and uh, he finally came to a couple of services, and after one of them, I was just talking to him and wondering, what is God doing in his life today that I've not seen do God do in the last couple of years? And, and he said something along these lines. He said, Bryce, he said, whatever you're doing at your church, keep doing it, because if you can convince a hardened heart like mine, then you can convince anybody. And that wasn't my words. It was what God was doing in his life. And I began to see the bricks of a hardened wall around his heart to get to be dismantled one brick at a time. And that's the work of God in a life. But sometimes the initial response is hard-hearted and closed off with God. Jesus describes another soil of the human heart, another type of response, and that's a rocky response. If you've ever planted a garden, you'll know how important it is to clear the ground, right? To, to soften up the soil. I, I remember, I don't know how old I was, but my dad, we, he planted a garden in our backyard when I was little, little. And I remember seeing this, this contraption that he, he took off of his, his plumbing truck. And he took it down the ground and rolled it in the backyard. And I looked at it, and it, it had this motor on it, this long handle. And it wasn't a lawnmower. I had pushed one of those before. And on the side, it had these weird blades on each side. And, and I said, Dad, what is that? He said, it's a rototiller. I said, well, that's a fun word to say. Rototiller. I said, what's it do? And he turned it on and it showed me. 
how the blades turn and turn over the soil and cut into hard soil and, and get the soil prepared because any amateur gardener knows how important it is to prepare the soil. Any, any real farmer knows how important it is. Before you ever go out in the field to sow the seed, you have to clear the rocks. If you have a field full of rocks, the seed, even if it might find its way to the ground, it's not going to have any vibrancy. It has no room to put down deep roots so that it can grow and be nourished. Um, and they just won't go. Sometimes spiritually, people can, can hear the word and there's an initial joyful response to God, but for some reason it hasn't settled deeply into their soul. And I wonder sometimes if maybe it's people who become in such a desperate spot of their life and they think maybe there's some relief for this issue in my life and God has given some relief maybe. And they think, this is great, and there's a joy-filled initial response, but there's no root that digs deep in an ability to grow and, and walking and living with God. They're not connected to other believers, so there's no ongoing encouragement and, and community for them to have. And so when the next challenge of life comes, a, a new financial issue or an unexpected health concern comes up, instead of God... They, they go and find, they look and turn somewhere else to try to find a solution for their issue. I wonder if that's part of what causes the rocky soil in the heart. And then Jesus talks about the cluttered heart. The heart that has so many other things that draw and pull and better priorities in life that it just suffocates. Other, other people are like 
uh, seed sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and it produces a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Jesus would say, you know a tree by its fruit. We've seen this in recent months in our church. We've seen good soil and seeds landing in good soil as we have rejoiced in the baptism of, uh, of new brothers and sisters just last fall. And I keep saying this because we need not forget it. We need to continue to rejoice in where we are seeing God at work among us. And we rejoiced just a few months ago in the baptism of Mei Lee and Aung Hui and Hong and Clayton and Camille to God's glory. Amen? Is that a hallelujah moment? I hope it is. We've just finished talking and preparing Tabo for baptism. We're so looking forward to setting a date for her baptism and beginning to talk with Chloe and others about the joy and wonder of life with Jesus because the seed of God's Word is falling on good soil. And you need to hear that because it can be so discouraging here. But God is active and His seeds are going forth from the church. And my prayer is that with a refreshed vision, we will be able to do that even more clearly, more boldly, and more together than we've ever done before, at least in recent memory. Maybe today, you need to examine how you have responded to the call of Jesus. As we prepare the Lord's Supper, I just want to give you some space. We're going to sing uh, as we go through different elements of this moment together. And I invite you to invite God's Spirit to... Examine your heart today. Because God's desire is never to crush you. He wants to tenderly love you. and He wants to, to guide and to develop your life. And there may be parts of your life that need to get rid of. There may be entanglements today that are slowing you down or tripping you up. And you're not free to walk and to run and to fly with Jesus as he would guide you into your future and into his future with you. Maybe today you know that there are areas of your life that if left unattended today they're going to suffocate the life of God's spirit right out of you. There are other things that you know constantly get priority building in your life. And you've wrestled. You've wrestled. You've heard God's call to say lay this thing down or at least put it second or third in your life. And let me be first. And you've wrestled with that. Maybe today's the day that you release that to the Lord. And say, God, this is so hard for me. I need your help. I need you to prioritize your life in me above all else. Maybe today's the day that you do that. We invite the deacons who are helping me serve the Lord. So would you come and join me here at the front, please? And we're going to sit